Dr. Uh, Marianne, she just is amazing and um, just such a support. And the work that she's doing in Step by Step um, is just been amazing because there's so much sacrifice in this work. There's so much that has been poured into this work. There's so much, um, you know, intent that has been put in to make sure that something can be delivered at a quality level for all of our kids and communities near and far. So I just don't want to, you know, negate the opportunity to be able to um, edify her and the work that she does. The same person you see in these 15 minutes that is passionate about the program is the same person who assesses the kids, tutors, teaches teaches tutors, teachers, teachers, just all that's the same person, right? It's the same love and, and, and passion. And the thing that you mentioned at the beginning that you empower um, and, and encourage, I think is so powerful because I think it speaks to who you are as a person and that that's the part that people should connect to. And that's the part that people should realize needs the sponsoring and the support to continue this work in the world. So continue to do an amazing job. I um, stand for you and I just, you know, support you as much as, you know, as we can. Hi, thanks for tuning in to our Dyslexia Solutions podcast. I'm Dr. Marianne Sintron, founder of Step-by-Step Dyslexia Solutions. So I bring peace to parents by helping their dyslexic children read so that we can build their self-esteem, help them unlock their genius minds, and allow them to achieve success in school and in life. So the reason for this podcast is to interview parents of dyslexic children and we interview dyslexic adults, and I also talk from my heart. And the reason this podcast is important is we want to raise awareness of what dyslexia is so that you have knowledge, because knowledge is power. And we want to let you know that you're not alone in your situation. So thanks again for tuning in, and here we go with our special guest for the day. Today, I want to introduce you to my special friend, Lois Letchford. I'm going to have her come on in and tell you a little bit about herself, first of all, before we go on with the interview. Come on, Lois. Come on in. Ah, it works. (laughs) Hello, Marianne. Hi. (laughs) Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your exciting life with your son and some of the, well, just about a little bit about yourself, first of all. I loved your introduction because I am dyslexic. I was undiagnosed all the way through school. I went through school and survived because I could read words. I couldn't comprehend. And when I was in high school, when content becomes important, the comprehension starts to kick in. And that really helped me. And it gave me enough to get myself through teacher's college and teach and work and then I married and had these children. The first one was as quick as quick as quick with everything. And the second one had ear infections from age 8 to 18 months. I didn't appreciate the extent to which they impact the brain and language and learning. 
So he has a double barrel in that he had me as his mother <laughs> with dyslexia and that gene. And on top of it, you have the lack of hearing the language problem. So that was the start of when he went to school, it was disastrous. I, I had a student once who couldn't hear and the school approved his hearing and said, the nurse said he's fine. And I said, he is not fine because I'm at a table with six kids and he wasn't hearing what I was saying. And it turned out he went to an outside nurse. He got tubes put in his ear because they said he was hearing as if he was underwater. So he got the tubes in his ears. And I actually saw this uh, student again years later. I was at the gym a few years ago and he is a, um, a trainer at the gym now. And he's a, he was 21 years old and Miss Centron. <laughs> and he shared, you know, how, how life changing it was to have me in his life as a teacher. So it was really sweet to, you know, that. So the whole thing about the ears is so important. Yes. Yes. And I met an audiologist and she said, it's not just that you don't hear when you've got the ear infection, but before it and after it, that you're still not hearing clearly. And it impacts particularly with hearing sounds and consonant blends are really hard. And then you've got the vowel blends, but the consonant blends, the difference between a word like pay and play is one letter. Yes. Yes. Pay and play and sat and slat. And yeah, you know, even, you know, I tutored today and there was, a little boy that kept adding an L to these three letter words. And I'm like, do you see an L in there? I don't, or do you see an R? And it, it's interesting because they have the visual thing going on and the auditory and, yeah. and it just takes a lot of patience and a lot of compassion and understanding. And I think also creativity to take out that whiteboard and work another different way that's going to help him have that hands-on opportunity to understand things. Creativity, yes. Yeah. It's absolutely key, really. So tell us about your son that you that had the dyslexia, has dyslexia, and I'm so proud of him. So start where you want. You want to start in elementary school? In grade one in 1994, he failed. And he wet his pants, he bit his fingernails, and he stared into space. The teacher shouted at him because he couldn't do it. And he learned, I can't do this. He learned I was dumb. And that was really horrific. In 2018, I asked him about this year, and he just cried. And I didn't realise how damaging it was. So if your child is struggling, get them out quickly. Don't let them go through with that failure. I had the opportunity to work with him for six months in 1995. I started with a book called, series of books called Success for All, and he couldn't do it. He appeared to have no memory for letters, for sounds or for words, and that was critical. And my mother-in-law was with me and she said, Lois, throw away what's not learning and make learning fun. And that became my mantra. Well, it doesn't matter what he's going to do. We're just going to enjoy it. I started to write poetry with simple three-letter words, a mug in a bug and a windmill on a hill and cat in a hat and these. It was transformative because we gave the letters a bed. We gave the sounds a bed. We created pictures. And it was, it just, his learning exploded. 
you come up with the double O sounds because I'm writing every day for him, as in Cook, Look and Book. And I wrote about Captain James Cook, the last of the great explorers. So now we're doing high-level stuff with low-level words. Good. And he said to me, can I see Captain Cook's original maps? And when he said that, I knew that question didn't come from a child with a low IQ. Mm. And it was critical for me to see his strength. And then he said, you know, who came before Captain Cook? Well, that's easy, Nicholas. That was Christopher Columbus. (laughs) And who came before Columbus? And his question blew me away because I'd never thought of that. Isn't that interesting? So having a parent that's aware of the children's giftedness, aware of their interests, and you start giving them information based on their interests. And that's wonderful that he had those kind of questions. You know, again, when I talked to him in 2018, it was fascinating because he went from tears from talking about 1994 to, he said, I remember the poems and he named them. And Captain Cook, he said, Captain Cook taught me to love learning. And I never want to stop learning, he said. Never want to stop learning. That's something. Yeah, good. You know, and that was that was really transformative because we found, and this was fascinating, that that Columbus's original map was over a thousand years old. And we found it. Well, you know what was brought to my remembrance is Columbus always believed the earth was round and nobody around him believed that, but he read the Bible and it was in the Bible that if you go to the West, it just keeps on going. It doesn't drop off. Anyway, that's a little side. (laughs) But also his, his, the, the history, the historians knew from Egypt that the world was round. So the first map from 250 AD was, was round. And that information had got lost and transformed. So Columbus knew it from, not from one for source. He knew it from multiple sources. And then what was also interesting, Columbus found the map because printing became important in 1640, 1442. And so, you know, so we were learning across and we had, de- ah, it was, it was transformative, as I said. But what happened was that we go back to school. I'm not going to go in the details because we go talk for a short period of time. But I continued to change the teaching and I went on to becoming a reading a specialist because of Nicholas's experiences. And I've specialised in teaching children who failed numerous reading programs because of that. You know, the reading teacher in the school that he was at was not up to par. You know, which is why you and I have jobs. That's right. And that shouldn't be the case. So I'm passionate saying when children don't learn as expected, we are the ones who have to change. That's right. I heard someone say that uh, dyslexia is not a learning disability. It's a teaching disability. (laughs) Teachers need to learn about using a multisensory approach and make learning fun. Yeah. And kids need their parents advocating for them for sure. Yes. Tell tell the audience about your son going. What's your son's name again? Nicholas. Nicholas going to Oxford. And what he's doing now. Yes, he ended up with two undergraduate degrees, one in mathematics and one in engineering. He took five and a half years to do that. 
And at the end of that, you think, whew, it's all over. And he applied for jobs in Oxford as a postdoc, as a doctoral student, and he got a scholarship to study applied mathematics in Oxford, and he graduated in 2018. Isn't that amazing? Brilliant. And you have a YouTube that shows his actual graduation ceremony, and that's had a lot of views. What's the name of that YouTube? Um, I think if you look up Lois Letchford, dyslexic to PhD. Okay. When learning is trauma, what, tell That's, us about that. That came about because I spoke to my son in 2018 and he cried when I asked him. And that's for the first time I recognised my son has been traumatised and he can't talk about it. Wow. And it was so... 2019. Yeah. So it's, you know, 20 plus years later. And he's had, you know, how many successful years in school? And he still can't talk about this one year. And we, he has since received or is in counselling because of that. And shifting it from a memory to speaking about it because he couldn't even talk about it. Well, it his was, story is going to help so many people because, you know, there's a lot of embarrassment in that shroud of shame if they have dyslexia. But we're learning about the genius of dyslexic people when we had the, you know, we inherited the printing press, that's when the dyslexic people just kind of got pushed aside. And, um, you know, we lost a fifth of our population because of the reading problem, but, or the challenge. And I have met so many dyslexic adults that are geniuses. I've met designers of high-performance cars. We know that dyslexic uh, people thrive in engineering, entrepreneurship, the arts and architecture. So when they need a degree to go to college, we can advocate for them and they can get accommodations to be successful. Was, was um, your son ha- successful with getting the accommodations? He, he was. He was. But it wasn't. Uh, the accommodations were to help him write his thesis. The accommodation, they do an oral exam now. Nicholas's acceptable label is speech language impaired or developmental language delay, and they do an oral exam. So he got support to do that oral exam, and it didn't do it just for the oral exam. It's given him skills for life because if you ask him a question, he then says he practices repeating that question, is this what you've asked? And that was huge. And to do it under such pressure, he did it. He did it. And, you know, that's just such a good skill in life anyway. Oh. How many of us are so busy meeting with people and there's so many misunderstandings and we have to learn, let's repeat what we hear, let yes. them repeat what they hear. So for him to learn that and just, I'm just so proud of him for being successful. And I'm just applaud you for your hard work with him and persevering. And so all the things you wrote, do you provide that as a curriculum for sale? Um, I, it's on my website. A lot of my resources are on my website. I prefer to speak to people first before I hand it over because what I'm recognizing is I talk like everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> And I actually lose people in they don't understand what I'm saying. Some do. Some people who are really dealing with 
you know, children who struggle dramatically, ah, they get it. But many think, oh, you've only got to do this, this, and this. Well, this, this, and this requires this, this, and this. You're right. Um, I also have a reading program, and I'm just learning to get it out. And But, you know, we have so many dyslexic kids in our world, in our nation, and we need to have more of us getting out there, like you said, helping helping the parents relieve their pain and helping their children. I, I'm just so excited to learn that we can bring peace to their home. I had, um, I say, I want to change your battlefield into a playground. Let's help your child read and start bringing that joy back to your home. I totally agree. Yes. Because the trauma is not only with the child, it's with the family. That's it's right. with the family. Especially and- if there's other siblings that either have the same challenge or even didn't. There's such different dynamics going on in the home and it's pretty exhausting for the parents. And I've heard that they have sleepless nights. So we want to have those parents start sleeping again without medication. (laughs) And, you know, you, we need to work together to say, to get the message out. Keep, you know, our children can learn. Our children can learn. And I'm sure you change the teaching to make sure your students do learn. That's right. And we have to really change the words that come out of our mouths. Let them, you know, they'll be, if they're positive, if we're positive, and if we hear that negative talk, we have to change it, change the mindset. Yes. Yes. Well, we have to close right now. So let me, um, any closing thoughts and how can our um, audience contact you if they want to know more about you, what you're doing? Uh, my book is reversed a memoir. You can see it on my behind me. My book, <laughs> buy the book, read it, write a review. Contact me via my Facebook page or my website, loisletchford.com. I'm available on Twitter and LinkedIn, you know, but a little bit on Instagram. So, but I'm available. If you Google me, you'll find me and check out my YouTube channel because it is when learning is trauma and my son's, the video of my son graduating because we had that made the day he graduated it's so sweet and made into a little clip and we'd love to see success stories thank you so oh. much i want to thank the audience for tuning in with us today i also have two new published books dyslexia a trait of genius and then prisms of brilliance how to close the achievement gap and stop the school to prison pipeline for listening to this podcast in its entirety. If what we shared today has inspired you, would you please visit our website, dyslexia-solutions.com and consider making a donation so that we can keep these podcasts going. Also, please subscribe to our channel and find me on, on Instagram, Marianne Sintron. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you.